Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. Hey! So today, we are going to be talking about episode 4 of House of the Dragon, which is titled... King of the Narrow Sea. The King of the Narrow Sea. Of course, talking about our boy Daemon Targaryen there. We'll see if we still want to call him our boy or not by the end of this episode. (laughs) So, before we get into what happened in this one, we're going to give out the typical reminders here. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can send us an email at fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. You could get at us on Instagram, which is at fantasyrewindpod, and at Twitter, which is at fantasyrewind. All right. So, you guys heard it last episode for the first time. Let's hop into the rewind. All right, Mike, so let's get right into this. Let's talk about King of the Narrow Sea. What were your overall thoughts on this episode? Uh, So it was good in terms of like character development for Rhaenerys and uh, it was really Rhaenyra. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) And it was neat seeing Damon again in the mix, but I don't know. There was a lot I didn't like about this episode, and it just seemed to be kind of almost like a filler episode, really. I mean, stuff happened, but nothing that's like, except for the end, overall super important. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, I disagree with you a little bit in that I do think this is more of a filler episode, less sword clashing, more politicking. Um, it's actually really important for a lot of different reasons, but... Oh, I'm sure it builds this stuff, but... It does, but it's also more than just what it's building towards. We'll, we'll get into it here. Okay. You you take us on the Westeros train. This was not my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, that still remains with episode three, but I did still think this one was good. Um, so yeah, let's just talk about this really quick. So the core crux of this episode is twofold. Renera gets her rock rocks off. Well, I was going to say, we have the return of Daemon Targaryen to court and all that entails. And then we also have the overarching theme of who is Rhaenyra going to be forced to marry? And so, (laughs) as you're making crude hand gestures, (laughs) um, it's not going to be Sir Kristen Cole, I'll tell you that right now. Um, But that doesn't mean it doesn't have other uses for her. Uh, So I would like to just, first of all, let's dive right in and talk about the opening scene here where we see the the suitors lined up for Renera. Now, one of the reasons I want to bring this up is because, you know, this goes right with what the king was saying last episode of, okay, fine, you know what, Renera, I'm not going to worry about you getting a husband, you do it yourself. And so she's out there doing the whole tour, trying to see if anyone tickles her fancy, but... She doesn't really like any of these people and no. quickly dismisses them. Some cool, cool little scene though. So yeah, some cool little tidbits though ha- happen in the scene. So there is the young kid who gets into that sword fight with the older gentleman there and shows him that he's not so much a child after all and drives his sword right through his heart and then runs away, basically kind of shocked by what he did. But the names of these two are what's important for Westeros lore. There is the Blackwoods and Bracken, which they are two houses that have long-standing feuds with each other, which shows why the kid was so quick to anger, 
with this guy and also why this guy decided to pick on this kid the way he did. And this feud has ramifications for down the line for lots of cool stuff that might happen in Westeros later. But I just thought this was a little cool nod to fans that are more steeped in the lore of Westeros and its houses. But let's just get into the main bit here about Daemon, about Rhaenyra, about what Daemon tries to do with Rhaenyra, and all of that. So what were your impressions of when you saw Daemon just walking up to the throne, carrying this hammer in one hand, like, wearing a crown, and then he just kneels? Like, were you surprised? Like, what was going on with you for that? No, so after, I mean, seeing the dragon just fly overhead of Rhaenyra's uh, boat, like, I knew it was Daemon immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. And seeing him kind of wall, like everyone kind of get all up in arms and like worried, like I knew he was coming into the court. I was surprised when it was just him, but I kind of got the notion that he was going to, they were going to kind of make up. I don't know. I just didn't like, I didn't think anything else was going to happen at that moment, you know, otherwise it would have been over very quick. (laughs) Definitely would have. But I thought it was really interesting how Damon comes in after all of this goes down and the Stepstones. And he seems like he's a changed man. Oh, well, we know he's not. Oh, yeah, no. Damon was playing possum, trying to trying to get in and slide into what he wants here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really interesting how he was coming in humble, seeming like he was changed, like he didn't even care about his crown, that he was named King of the Narrow Sea, didn't mean anything to him, left it unguarded with just, like, bodies staked out there as warnings for people about what happens when you rebel against the crown or, like, work against the crown of Westeros. Hmm. But then we shift dramatically here when Damon invites Rhaenyra out to, like, sneak out at night. So this was really interesting. I don't know if you got these vibes with this, but I kind of almost got, um, like, Aladdin-type yeah, vibes. Yeah, so that, that, does, that does make sense. Like, the, the street rat taking the princess out for a night mm-hmm. on the town... Dressed up as like a, as a boy or, you know, in disguise at least. And I thought this was a really neat scene because you had talked last episode about how she had no connection to the people. Yeah. That became very clear here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was going to bring this up if you didn't. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? So when uh, Renera is out in, in the, uh, in the, <laughs> with the midnight crowd, if we will, or the 2 a.m. crowd, whatever the owl is, uh, she sees a play. In that play, they're kind of pretty much talking crap about her being queen uh and says that she like would never be king or queen necessarily because like she's not her brother and she feels very you know upset about that and she's like yelling slander boo and damon's kind of like uh <laughs> you can be quiet now because you don't yeah. understand like that's what these people think and she's like who cares what they think it's inconsequential and he's like uh you want to rule them <laughs> yeah you want to rule these people and you got to know them, right? And I thought this was great because of that. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, on. it's okay. It just, I just, last bit here is, it just showed to me she's she's never had any connection or any like communication with everyday people. And so therefore she's almost like a spoiled brat. And that theme sort of continues throughout for the, this episode for me. It, it really does. You're 100% right. And so to me, what that particular scene at the play confirms was all my worst fears of her from last episode, where, like, we didn't know what she did to earn the people's love. Like, why should the people want her as their queen? And apparently, 
they shouldn't because she doesn't have any regard for them. It seems like she's almost more concerned with establishing her own power for her own power's sake, not for the responsibilities that would come with it. And so I thought that it was funny that it was Damon that gave her this dose of reality because he's been this reckless character who is kind of telling Renera, hey, you are acting a little too reckless here. Your position's not as secure as you might think. And like kind of giving her a dose of reality to wake her up to that she might need to pay more attention to what's going on with the common people of Flea Bottom and King's Landing. Yeah, that's true. But he also, you know, when they go into the pleasure house, he kind of says, this is where people come to just take what they want. Right. And that sort of goes with Damon's character is that he takes what he wants. And I was surprised at the restraint he showed. Um, but I think there's a little bit of mixed messaging from him. There 100% is, yeah. It is very much like, and I think part of that too is like, he sees her kind of like himself Mm -hmm. and wants to share his world with her a little bit. But at the same time, like, he's just, he's a really interesting character. I'm very much conflicted on him because I think I'm jumping forward here when he's talking to King Viserys and he's like, you know, what, what about when we were kids? We just went out everywhere and we got with whoever we wanted to. It didn't matter. She's a woman. Or, you know, I know that's another conversation between him and um, Renera, but like, I feel like they really meld well together. It's that she's kind of bucking against this, like being a woman and this like whole weight of responsibility that you have to marry, you have to be virtuous and everything else. And, and she's like, well, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be the king. And so I can do what I want. And uh, we kind of see that too when she gets back after she's rebuked by her by Damon, and uh, she gets back and she's like, "Hey, Corliss, let's uh, let's play a little <laughs> Sir bit." Sir Kristen Cole, you mean? Oh, uh, that's what I meant. Corliss is the sea snake. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> her his son, his son. She'll play hide and seek with his son uh, yeah. later on. So I want to I want to just go back really quick and yeah, you do focus it. more I jumped all on over the place. yeah, focus more on what happened between Renera and Damon in the pleasure house. And so I thought this scene had a couple different interpretations of you could take it or how, how you could take it. So I think that there was there's the interpretation that Damon was showing restraint. He wanted to have sex with Renera and decided, you know, last minute, I can't do this to my niece who I love and I, I can't follow through with my desires, my wants, even though I'm in a place where you take what you want. And so he stopped. But there's the other side of the coin where you can see that maybe because of the conversation Damon had with Viserys, maybe he was angling to try and get mm-hmm. Rhaenyra for himself to secure a claim for the Iron Throne. And Damon's always been somebody who takes what he wants when he wants it. And how this plays against him, though, is when he started to kiss Rhaenyra, she kissed him back and went into it. She was down for it. And he lost the control that he had of the situation, and he wasn't able to get it up. And so, because of that loss of control, where it was consensual between them, and he was like, I don't know how I feel about this anymore. It's not getting me where I need to go. And then that's where he gets frustrated because of his impotence and has to leave. And mm-hmm. there's that's where there's those two views of how and why did Damon take Renera to this place um and like how did he mean for the night to go versus how did it actually go for him yeah so what you're saying is it kind of sounds like 
it's there's a possibility that this was all premeditated on his part yeah in order to stake his claim and sully her name enough so that he could get her exactly and so when we talk about i'm just going to skip past renera and her king's guard moment here and just focus on damon and the king conversation here yeah because damon is being accused by king viserys of sullying renera's reputation sullying mm-hmm. her name making her unfit for a high lord to take to wife because she's not a virgin anymore. And Damon knows he didn't sleep with her, but he doesn't deny it at all. He probably thought, you know, like, okay, the king's not going to, like, hear my words anyway. He's going to hear what he wants to hear. Yeah. But he still didn't defend himself at all. He was just like, you want to think that? Go right ahead. Think that I slept with your daughter, slept with my niece. This isn't anything that Targaryens haven't done before. But I'm not going to sit here and, you know, try and beg you for forgiveness because that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so interesting because you see that uh, Rhaenyra, when she's having that conversation with her father and how she vehemently denies sleeping with Damon, how he ha- he doesn't believe her. He gives her the tea anyway at the end of the episode to say, you said you didn't do it. I'm here and otherwise. Here's the tea just in case. And I think that just shows... Again, the societal pressures that are facing Renera, because if she got with child, who would want to take her to wife in this episode, in this world here for Game of Thrones? Now, before we go any farther, I need to flash back to the King's Garden moment with Renera here, because first of all, I thought that this was almost a reversal of what Damon tried to do with Renera, how Sir Kristen Cole. And Renero have obviously had this flirtation going on all season. And she's obviously picked him for the Kingsguard because he was qualified, but also because she thinks he looks good in his armor. And Kristen Cole here, he's the highest that any Cole has risen, which is the Kingsguard position. And he has so much more to lose in this situation than Renera. There's that power dynamic in play with her and him where... Damon was trying to lord his power as being a older, powerful male over Rhaenyra. And Rhaenyra's holding her position almost over Sir Kristen Cole, being like, I'm going to like tease you a bit and then we are going to get down and dirty here. And although Sir Kristen wanted to, this was mm-hmm. by no means non-consensual, it did take coaxing from Rhaenyra to get him to get into it here. But focusing on the scene here, I thought that for a Game of Thrones show, this was a very tastefully done sex scene. I thought that the cinematography here was really did a really good job of letting you know what was happening without getting overly explicit or overly graphic and without showing any real nudity. There's hinted at nudity, nudity there's suggested nudity from Renera, um, and the Pleasure House is a whole other story, but... <laughs> You have this sex scene going on with Rhaenyra and Sir Kristen Cole overlaid with the sex scene going on with Viserys and Alicent. And just the contrast of those two Mm -hmm. together was just a great visual to like show you what it actually means to be queen in this society. Where Alicent had talked to Rhaenyra previously about how her mother basically was forced to have children until she died in childbirth. And that being a queen, that's pretty much what your role is expected to be. You're expected to be this air-producing machine. And it doesn't matter that 
King Viserys looked like a zombie flopping around on top of her. And she obviously was not into it. Versus Rhaenyra, who was taking what she wanted and was definitely in control and in the, into the situation that she was a part of. Yeah. And the king even kind of says it later on, too, in terms of, like, her will. Uh, she ta- Well, he talks about, you know, her and Damon and how they have the blood of the dragon in them. And they're mm-hmm. erratic and chaotic. And I think that was really made abundantly clear with this episode with her. And I just thought it was so interesting because you could definitely see her innocence throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the act and stuff and, like, even the lies... Or well, she didn't yeah. really lie necessarily. She more avoided. She did. She said that Damon truth. didn't touch her. Mm, that yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he didn't touch her with his hands. I don't know. Well, I'm pretty sure he did, but uh, <laughs> we don't know. It. I do have one criticism of this episode, and this is off the story part. It was so flipping dark. Like, come on, they gotta lighten some of this up just a little bit. But. I get it. Anyway, I get that. Like I was saying, I, though, I didn't have an uh, issue with the darkness, but well, I mean, I was trying to watch it in the middle, like in the middle of the day, and I had all the blinds closed and everything else, and I could still barely see. <laughs> uh huh. <sighs> it's okay. I got the gist. <laughs> anyway, um, but what I was trying to say there is, you you could definitely see kind of like her innocence, and then like afterward afterwards, like it's kind of it's gone almost, right? But mm. in even that conversation with her dad. And she's like, you know what? I'll do my duty still. Um, and like you said, he doesn't believe her. But she does get him to fire the hand. This is obviously like a big move for her because she tells her dad, okay, I'll do my duty. Now do yours because you have a snake in the grass on your council here who's been angling for the throne or to get his blood on the throne since before day one of, of Aegon's birth. So... She correctly points out to the king that his hand, while being loyal to the empire or the realm in theory, has been having his own self-interest at heart. He put Allison in the king's path and the king finally becomes aware of this and be like, maybe you did this. Like, that was a subtle move. I wasn't expecting that. And then angling again, you know, all these little things about making sure that Aegon was shown in the best light. Like, saying, oh, is this stag proof that the gods favor Aegon to be your heir? All of these things, having spies following Rhaenyra or reporting on Rhaenyra, it's, it does show that while Otto Hightower may say he has the realm's best interest at heart, and he might, he still is not completely selfless and does have his own self-interest at heart as well. And I feel like the king does a good job of saying the realm owes you a debt, but I can't trust you anymore going forward here. I need someone who's more impartial than what you have become. Yeah. And then dismisses him from his service. I think it, I thought that was done very tastefully. Now you brought up the spy thing and we saw like when Damon woke up before he got interrogated by uh, King Viserys. He woke up with Lady Misery. Right. Now, we don't know what's happened between her and Damon since, you know, he went off to war. Since he left for the Stepstones, yeah, three years ago or more. But it seems like she's kind of started her own business, if you will. For sure. And she says she got out of the skin business and into a different sort of enterprise. 
Yes, and it seems like it's an information. For sure. Because she she receives money, and it looked like almost like the same kid, right? It was the same kid, 100% okay. the same kid. So it that makes me think one of two things. One, obviously she's part of the whole network there, which is, I think, very uh, reasonable. And then the other thing, too, is, is possibly this was pre-planned by Damon to have that information taken to Otto. Well, you hear her say... When Damon asks her what she's doing, she says, helping you. And then, you know, we get the kid coming back, giving her the money there. So whether she did it at Damon's behest or because of what Damon did for her previously, she was doing this with the purpose of lowering Renera's status and rising up Damon's. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's the way I think about it. I didn't take it quite as far as that, but now that you say that, yeah, that makes sense. Although at the same time I say that, and the report was that Renera was with Damon at a pleasure house. So that's not really going to help Damon's yeah, status with the king. That's Yeah, it's kind of a tricky situation because you don't know exactly yeah, what she's saving him from. Maybe it was that he she saved him from doing, going any farther with her. Maybe, yeah. Because as I said, it was really dark. So I don't know what <laughs> pulled Damon away necessarily. So I'm not sure if you've been watching like the after credit scenes. It's like behind the scenes things that the producers of the show have been releasing like they did with Game of Thrones. So they do clarify in that that it was Damon's impotence that he wasn't able to go through. And again, I'm I'm kind of thinking it's probably probably because he lost control of the situation where it was Renera starting to get into it, too. And he was like realizing exactly what it is that he was doing Mm. well either way uh, i think there was some good character development there because and we ended off on a good note renera is willing to do her duty now we'll see if she's willing to drink the tea or not um i bet she doesn't but i don't think we'll find out mm. but i don't think we'll actually find out um as far as like i don't think it's going to be important to the story yeah that's true i wonder if anything else will happen with um her night yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, so before we get out of here, there are a couple more things I want to bring up really quick. Okay. So we already talked about how this episode showed like the loss of innocence for Renera. Mm-hmm. I also just want to point out that this was my favorite episode for her and her actress and her personality because I felt like she wasn't just angry all the time in this episode. I felt like there was like good a good like wave of emotions that she went through between being a little like forlorn by doing her duty and seeing all the suitors to being excited for seeing her uncle for being a little uh, lusty at the pleasure house and in her bedroom and then being a little panicked at the end as well when she's trying to convince Allison and everyone else that she didn't sleep with Damon. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was just like a good range of emotions for a character who has been a little, a little one dimensional, but still overall been good. Yeah. And I think it was a bit of a reality check for her too. Like yeah. you're not above this, even though you have you want to be and you think you should be. Like if this stuff had happened, it would have ruined you. Definitely would have. Yeah. Uh, the next bit I want to bring up is that if Renera has agreed to marry, uh. Lenor Target or Leonor Valerian, which she has, and there's a wedding in the future. What do we know about Game of Thrones and weddings? So that alone has me excited because of 
the, the potential for chaos that mm. will ensue. Um, not sure exactly what will happen on screen or not, but just the potential alone has me salivating for uh, for good Game of Thrones chaos. Oh gosh, oh Dylan, are you tipping your future knowledge to me with your giant grin? No, I- I'm talking about the trailer that was shown. Oh, in the end I didn't of watch that. Oh, yeah. It shows, like, a wedding happening, and I'm just like, or, like, what could be interpreted as, like, the lead-up to a wedding happening. But I'm just saying in general that whenever we've seen, like, the Red Wedding, you know, like, mm-hmm. Joffrey and Marjorie Tyrell's wedding. Bad things you know, happen. Like, the Purple Wedding is what it's called. Like, bad things happen when people get married and fall in wow. love in, uh, in Westeros. Maybe not even fall in love. Well, maybe not fall in love, yeah. <laughs> um but all in all again i thought this was a was a good episode not a great one um definitely more of that transitional piece episode here there wasn't a crazy big time jump which i'm happy about although there definitely was at least a few months um that took place in between that we didn't see but either way i thought it was okay for this one um yeah uh, do you have any closing thoughts mike before we get out of here no i'm excited for what happens next All right, so with all of that being said, it's time to get out of here. This is Two Nerds signing off. See ya. See ya.